Well, as you can see, we're in a series called Living in the Spirit. And the first couple of weeks, we talked about how Jesus promised that his Father would send, well, actually, he would send, but it was the promise of the Father, the Holy Spirit. After he returned, Jesus returned to heaven. And then we talked about how that actually happened on the day of Pentecost. And last week, what we talked about is how we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit over and over again. We talked about Jesus' promise of the Holy Spirit being a a baptism of the Holy Spirit. And baptism literally means to be immersed. So it's a time of immersing in the Holy Spirit. And uh, we're going to talk about that more today. Uh, It's sort of going to be a little bit of review if you've been here. If you haven't, it'll be something perhaps new to you. Because while we talk a lot about Jesus in the church, probably all over the United States, while we talk probably a lot about God in general or God the Father, the Holy Spirit is often not emphasized. And here at New Life, we don't want to overemphasize the Holy Spirit, but we want to remember that God is one, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. When we receive God, we receive Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and so we want to know about Him. Next week, I want to tell you right now, Uh, we're not going to do what I thought we were going to do. Something came up. I just found out about it on Friday. It's it's really incredible. Pastor Alfredo Linares, who is the, the district superintendent of the Eastern Central District of the Assembly God of Church in Cuba... Is in, the, is in the United States. That's a big thing because he's been trying to come for four years and the Cuban government has not given him a visa to be here. Well, on Friday, I get a phone call from Fernando de Carvalho, our friend from Think Missions, and he said, I have a friend who wants to say hello to you. And so I, I said, hello, and I hear this uh, strange accent, hello. I said, pastor, and he said, si. I said, Kienes, I didn't know which pastor, and he said Lenares, which um, this is really, really a powerful thing. We're in the series on the Holy Spirit. I do not know anybody who's more filled with the Holy Spirit than Pastor Alfredo Lenares. In fact, um, many years ago now, his wife died on an emergency room uh, operating table in a hospital in Cuba, and about 20 minutes later, uh, when he finally was allowed to go in and see her, God used him to raise her from the dead. That's pretty powerful. And you can believe that or not, but it happened. Um, and I know Pastor Barbara. I don't know if Barbara's here. All I know is Lenares is here. He is only going to be here on Saturday evening. He has a, he's only here for 10 days, and they're trying to make him you know, see as many places and churches as possible. So if you would like to hear from Pastor Lenares, he will be preaching next Saturday evening at the 6.30 Saturday evening service. You'll want to come to that service. I would encourage you to be there. In fact, there might not be anybody at church on Sunday next week. But if you come, I'll have my regular message that's already ready uh, for the end of the series, Living in the Spirit. Today, what we're going to talk about is this simple truth. It's our take-home point, which again, if you're new, we have one point we seek to make every week, and here it is. As believers, we receive the Holy Spirit, and we are to be filled with the Holy Spirit so others can receive Him too. We're going to get right into the Scripture. It's rather long. If you have your Bible, I would encourage you to open it up to Acts chapter 8. We're going to start in verse 4, and we're going to go through uh, verse 23, and that's a pretty long passage, so we're going to break it up into chunks and do a little bit at a time. Let's pray together. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that we know that your word is true and that because of the beliefs that come into our minds, our hearts, our souls, and spirits when we read your word and trust in you, that our lives are different, and they will be forever different because of what Jesus has done and because of your presence and power in our lives. As we look at your word today, we pray that you would teach us, that your spirit would impart to each of us that one thing 
that we need to understand so we can receive your spirit and live in his power. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Before we get to Acts chapter 8, verse 4 and following, I want to ask you a simple question. It's a little bit of a review for those of you who have been here the first three weeks. What did Jesus tell the apostles to do after they were baptized with the Holy Spirit? He said the Holy Spirit would come. Then what were they supposed to do? Go. Yeah, somebody said it. Go and be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Well, here's something strange that happened. Jesus gave a command that when the Holy Spirit came, they're supposed to go. The Holy Spirit came. They didn't go. The believers stayed in Jerusalem. Now, there were thousands and thousands of believers in Jerusalem, but nobody was going the rest of Judea. Nobody was going to Samaria. Nobody was certainly going to the ends of the earth. They were just having fun being Christians in Jerusalem. And so the Jews were getting a little bit nervous because there are more and more followers of the way, which is what they called the early church, the way. And and so persecution broke out. Now, God did not send the persecution. But the interesting thing is because of the persecution, the believers were sent out. So the fulfillment of Jesus' word for them to go and be witnesses came about because of the persecution. And that's just like God. He always takes bad stuff and turns it into good stuff. And that's what we're going to read about today. A guy named Philip who had to leave. So here's what it says first. But the believers who had fled Jerusalem, so this is because of the persecution, went everywhere preaching the good news about Jesus. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria and told the people there about the Messiah. Crowds listened intently to what he had to say because of the miracles he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims, and many who had been paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was great joy in that city. So what we see here is that when God sends his workers to new places, signs and wonders accompany them. Philip went out. He ended up in Samaria. Now, the people in Samaria were not the best friends of the Jews. In fact, they hated each other. The Jews and the Samaritans, uh, basically, they had the same heritage. They were from the people of Israel, but the Samaritans were considered half-breeds. They had started worshiping idols long before the people of Judah did. And so there was this, uh, this tension. And it was more than tension. They, they intensely hated each other. But Philip felt led by the Holy Spirit to go to Samaria. And when he went there, he started preaching the good news and he did miracles. And we're told there are two kinds of miracles. He cast out demons and he healed the sick. Now, this is what happens every time God sends his people to any new place. In fact, one of the things I've often asked myself is, why is it that in the new places, even now, when people are going into new places around the world, why are there miracles, but it doesn't seem like there are so many miracles where the church is already established? Part of the reason is the testimony of the the truth of God is, I guess you might say, undergirded when there's a miracle. When, When Lenaris' wife raised from the dead, Guess what happened to the emergency room doctors and nurses, even though they were atheists? They became believers in Jesus Christ in that instant. Everybody in the room became a believer that day because they had never seen anything like it. And they said that this is a milagro de Dios, a miracle of God. They could see it. And God still does that. I mean, this, what I'm talking about with Lenaris, that just happened about 10 or 15 years ago. So it's still happening today, but everywhere God sends his people for the first time. So if you want to see some miracles, sign up for a mission trip to somewhere nobody's ever heard about Jesus. All right, the next thing we we find out is that counterfeit workers exist in every culture. What we're going to see is there's a guy named Simon 
who watches as Philip is telling the truth. It says this, a man named Simon had been a sorcerer there for many years, claiming to be someone great. The Samaritan people from the least to the greatest often spoke of him as the great one, the power of God. He was very influential because of the magic he performed. Okay, it's magic. All what's magic? Sleight of hand, tricks. That's what it is. It's not real. But this guy, because of his tricks, was called the great one. I mean, that's a pretty powerful nickname, isn't it? The great one, the power of God. And, and what happened, though, is as soon as the people saw the real stuff, they knew the counterfeit. That always happens. When we see the real, the fake is obvious. Now, we might think, well, if we were around, we wouldn't have fallen for that stuff. But we fall for that stuff all the time. I mean, I know people who don't make any decisions without first reading their horoscope. I know people who go to psychics and tarot card readers, and we know that Satanism is alive and well here in in the United States, and that doesn't even touch on the the Christian cults out there, which take a little bit of the truth of God and and twist it so that it's not even true. So the, the counterfeit is all around us. When Philip came into Samaria, Simon lost his job. Because he was no longer the great one. Now God was the great one. The real God was the real great one. And everybody could see that. Now what about our day? How do we show the great one, the real great one, the God of the universe, out there in our families, in our workplaces, in our schools when we go back to school in a few weeks? Sorry to bring that up. Um, And and everywhere we are. Well, the answer is to allow the Holy Spirit to fill us so that the fruit of the Spirit is demonstrated in our lives. And what's the fruit? Love, love. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I love that last one, self-control, because it doesn't mean I'm controlled by myself, which usually causes a lot of problems in my life. It means that myself is controlled by the Holy Spirit. And when people see that, they know there's something real and true about that, because the fake ways that we try to be in control in this world, everybody knows at the end of the day, they don't work. So the great news is that when it comes to overcoming the counterfeits around us and becoming more like Jesus, when we are born again, we receive the Holy Spirit. For the Samaritans, it happened this way. We move on to verse 12. But now the people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God and the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. Then Simon himself, Simon the Great One, himself believed and was baptized. He began following Philip wherever he went, and he was amazed by the great miracles and signs performed. It's so simple, isn't it? They believed, they were baptized. And and you say, Chris, it doesn't say they received the Holy Spirit. Well, no, it doesn't. But we know one thing that's true. We've been establishing this every week of this series on the Holy Spirit. When we trust Jesus, what do we receive? We receive Jesus, but we receive God the Father and the Holy Spirit. And the the Bible itself is always the best, best affirmation of itself. And what we read in John chapter 3 is an encounter between a man named Nicodemus, who was a teacher of the Jews, and Jesus. And Nicodemus came, and he was buttering Jesus up. He said, we know you're, you know, coming from God, because nobody could do the wonders you do unless you're from God. And Jesus cuts right through it and says this, I assure you, unless you are born again, you can never see the kingdom of God. Now, Nicodemus was a great teacher among the Jews, but he didn't understand. In fact, he took Jesus' statement literally, and he said, how can I crawl back inside of my mother's womb when I'm old? And Jesus said this, the truth is, no one can enter the kingdom of God without being born of water and the Spirit. 
Now, some people think that means water baptism and baptism in the Holy Spirit. It doesn't mean that. It means born of water means physical birth because there's water, you know, involved in the physical birth. What do we say whenever we know the baby's going to be born? The water broke because there's water around us. All right. And then the spiritual birth is part of that receiving Jesus. So we know that when the Samaritans believed, they had the Holy Spirit, but there's more. And that's the key thing that we find out next. Well, let me just quote one more scripture. From Jesus in Mark chapter 16, verse 16, it says, Anyone who believes and is baptized will be saved, but anyone who refuses to believe will be condemned. So it's not the baptism that saves, it's the believing that saves us in Jesus' name. So we find out next that being filled with the Holy Spirit is available to all believers. Not just receiving, but being filled with the Holy Spirit. And so here's what happens as we read in Acts chapter 8, verse 14 and following. When the apostles back in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent Peter and John there. This was big news. The Samaritans had believed in Jesus. This was very, very big news. And so they sent Peter and John. It says, as soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new Christians to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come. The the New Living Translation says come. The actual Greek says fallen. The Holy Spirit had not yet fallen on any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. That This filling of the Holy Spirit, or we would say the baptism of the Holy Spirit, this initial um, powerful experience of the Holy Spirit in their lives. Now, we remember from Pastor Brad's message the second week, there were four baptisms in the New Testament time. The first one was the baptism of John for repentance. We don't need that baptism because Jesus came. John prepared the way for Jesus. People came out and they were baptized to show the repentance of their sin and their readiness to receive Jesus. But we don't need that baptism. The second baptism is a baptism into Jesus Christ. That's what we receive when we're born again. And then there's the baptism of the Holy Spirit, which we've been talking about these last several weeks. And then finally, there's baptism in water, which we practiced here on Wednesday night at New Life. Fifteen people were baptized in water as a sign of their obedience to Jesus and following in his path. So now, this experience in Acts chapter 8 is a little different than what happened when the baptism of the Holy Spirit came in Acts 2 and Acts 10 because something's new. Peter and John laid their hands on these people and prayed. And as they laid hands on them and prayed, they received the Holy Spirit or they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. Something new happened. It wasn't just falling. And a lot of people think if I'm going to get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, it's just going to fall from the sky. It can do that. That's how he can work. But most often from Acts chapter 8 on, when we read in Acts chapter 18, for example, and even when we read in Hebrews chapter 6, when it talks about the laying on of hands, most often people pray and lay on hands, and that's how the Holy Spirit is received after Acts chapter 8. It's a, it's a new process that now becomes the normative process in our lives. Now, the thing is, how do we know that these Samaritans had the Holy Spirit if He didn't fall like he did in Acts 2, or he didn't fall like he did in Acts 10. Well, there's a little clue in verse 21. We're going to skip down to verse 21 if you're in your Bible right now. It says this, Peter says to Simon, you can have no part in this, for your heart is not right before God. The Greek text says you can have no part in this utterance, 
or you can have no part in this word. What happens? We're going to read about this in a minute. But after Simon sees Peter and John laying hands on people and they're filled with the Holy Spirit or baptized in the Holy Spirit, Simon says, here, let me give you some money so I can do that. Because I think it would be really cool for me to be able to lay my hands on people and they could get the Holy Spirit. Well, how did Simon, how did everybody know the Holy Spirit was there? Well, it says in the original Greek that Simon can have no part in this utterance, in this speaking in this different language or a different language. It's not gift of tongues which came on Pentecost, but it's sort of like the Acts 10 thing where all of Cornelius and his family were all speaking in these other languages. Now, here's the thing that's very important. There are churches that make a big deal about this. I mean, a really big deal about this. Like, you have to pray in tongues, and everybody should be praying in tongues in worship services. And if you don't, then there's something wrong with you. And here at New Life, we don't teach that. There's a reason why we don't teach that. It's because of 1 Corinthians chapter 14. The Apostle Paul was a founder of a lot of churches, and one of the churches was a place called Corinth. And in Corinth, they started getting all fussed up about the gifts of the Holy Spirit, about the the speaking in tongues and all this kind of stuff. And so they thought if you didn't pray in tongues, then you were like a second class or maybe not even a Christian. And so uh, they started talking about, you know, you're not as good of a Christian as I am. And Paul said this about speaking in tongues. It's all of chapter 14. We don't have time to go there today. But basically what he said is when I'm preaching, I want to speak the language you understand. For me, it's English. When I stand up here on on weekends and I preach, I want to preach in English because you understand English. And why would I preach in Spanish or in some other tongue that you never heard of before? Because if I did that, you would not benefit. Now, I do pray in tongues every day. And if I stood up right here right now and prayed in tongues, who would benefit from that? Me. I would. That's what it says. Paul says it. And we're going to read this. 1 Corinthians 14, verse 15. It says, Paul says, what shall I do? I will pray with my spirit. That's in that language that even Paul didn't know. And I will also pray with my mind. He said, I will sing with my spirit, but I will also sing with my mind. You see, Paul wanted the Corinthians to understand something very important. If he was preaching to them and he stood up there and spoke in tongues for an hour, they would get no benefit whatsoever. But if he would even say five words that they could understand, they would get great benefit. And and Peter and John laid hands on these folks, and they had this new ability to pray in a way they never could pray before, in a way to speak to God in a way they could never speak to God before, sing praises to God in a way they could never do before. All of that's a beneficial thing. But here, the most beneficial thing is if we speak clearly and intelligibly. On Monday afternoon, I'm going to be on Word FM for my week or monthly Ask the Pastor thing. First Monday of every month, I'm on there. There's a reason why they ask me back. They've told me why they keep asking me back is I speak English clearly. That's why they keep asking me back because I speak English clearly. People ask questions, I answer in English. I don't get on there and pray in tongues. I don't get on there and try to confuse people. I get on there and try to speak clearly the Word of God so that people's lives can be changed. And that's all that Peter and John wanted to do. That's all that the Apostle Paul wanted to do. But don't miss this. It was very important that they received the Holy Spirit, and now they have this utterance that allows them to do what they can't do in their own mind, in their own language. And and, and sometimes it even allows them to speak to a person in another language that they never learned. This happened one time in my life when I was in China, and I told you about that a few weeks ago. Okay, so... Simon is watching all of this stuff happening, and here's the bad thing that Simon concluded. 
He concluded he could buy the power of the Holy Spirit. But the power of the Holy Spirit, as all of God's gifts, cannot be bought or sold. And this is what we read in the context. When Simon saw that the Holy Spirit was given when the apostles placed their hands upon people's heads, he offered money to buy this power. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. But Peter replied, may your money perish with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. You can have no part in this utterance for your heart is not right before God. Turn from your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts for I can see that you are full of bitterness and held captive by sin. Let me ask you a question. Did Simon believe, yes or no? Yes, it says. Simon also believed and was baptized, right? So what does this tell us? Simon believed one minute, and then a couple weeks later when Peter and John come to town and he's laying hands on, they're laying hands on people and they're being filled up with the Holy Spirit, Simon says, I want that. Let me buy that. Because that's what the world does. I want power. I want control. And so Simon was being deceived by a lie in that moment. That's a very important thing for us to remember because just because you believe in Jesus doesn't mean you can't be deceived by a lie. And just because I believe in Jesus doesn't mean I can't be deceived by a lie. You see, when I was growing up, I was a Christian. I believed in Jesus Christ. And when my dad told me I was stupid, I believed it. It was a lie, but I believed it. And I've believed a lot of things that have been a lie as I've been growing up following Jesus. You see, some people think as soon as we get the Holy Spirit in our lives, we're perfect. We're never going to sin again. And that's not true. We're not perfect. In fact, Galatians chapter 5, we don't have time to turn there today, but in verses 16 and following, it says that the spirit and the flesh, that's my old nature, are in a battle for the rest of my life. And you're in a battle for the rest of your life. And so what we need is to be filled up over and over and over with the Holy Spirit so that we don't do what Simon did and we don't what I've done, do what I've done, and probably don't do what you've done at times. And that is to believe the lies of the world instead of the truth and power of God through the Holy Spirit. I want to use a little illustration here to see how important it is for us to be filled with the Holy Spirit. Oh, first of all, see these two glasses? They came from the same set. Uh, They came from the same box. Actually, I think we got them from Goodwill, to be honest with you. But anyway, um, they're exactly the same. So which one's better? Which one's better? Neither. They're both the same. Very good. Okay, they're both the same. So now these two glasses represent you and me. And uh, what's going to happen is we're going to get to be believers. So now we have what? God, Son, God the Father, God the Holy Spirit. So we got a little bit of God. That's a bad way of saying it, but it's for an illustration. You can understand what I'm saying, okay? So God is in our lives. We're born again. But then this guy over here, this is you. Okay, it could be a girl then, I guess. But anyway, you get filled up with the Holy Spirit, and I don't. I just have the Holy Spirit because I have God and the Father and the Son, but I'm not filled up like this. So now, which one of us is better? Neither. Whoever said that is right. Neither of us is better. You who are filled with the Holy Spirit just have more power than I do. We're n- none of us is better. God loves all of us just the same. God loves each of us infinitely. Jesus died on the cross for every single one of us. Each of us is worth one Jesus. But when we're filled up with the Holy Spirit, we have more power. We have more ability to preach the truth. We have more ability to live in the truth. And when we just have this salvation, which is a great, great gift, it means when we go to, you know, when we die, we're going to go to heaven. 
But, but it's like this, okay, let's say I'm this guy and, and I pick up my Bible and, you know, I probably don't read it very much because I'm just, I just got saved and, I, you know, I don't really understand it very much and I read a little bit and I go, I, I don't get that. But then I get filled up with the Holy Spirit and I'm like, wow, I, I want to know God's word. And so I start going to Bible studies and I start reading the Bible and when I read it, I, I just can't put it down. And, and, and then I, I mean, I have to put it down sometimes because I got to go to work and stuff like that, but I start to live it out. And the beliefs of the world start to be taken away from me, and the beliefs of God start to fill up my mind and my heart and my spirit. And that's what happens over time. And so our lives literally get transformed, which means we get a new, new shape, a new person, body, mind, and soul. And I sort of skipped over this uh, back when we were talking about miracles. But the Bible teaches that we are made up of a body, which is the physical thing we can see, and a spirit and a soul. That's what the Bible teaches. And when, when Philip did the miracles of casting out demons, what was he doing? He was healing the spirit because these people were possessed by evil spirits and the spirit comes out so that the Holy Spirit can come in. And, and then the other thing is our soul, which is the seat of our emotions, our seat of our will. And it's, it's the struggle of the will so often where we lose. But the Holy Spirit fills us up and he fills up our spirit, but he also influences our, our body and our soul when we allow him to do that. So this is such a key thing. In my life over these past few weeks, this happens every time we do this series. I start to focus more on the Holy Spirit. I spend more time praying in the Spirit. I spend more time studying about the Spirit. And the power of God comes into me more and more and more because I ask him, fill me up. I want some more. I want some more. Or I'm more, right? Like we talked about last week. I want some more. And so that happens. And the take-home point for today says this, as a believer, I have received the Holy Spirit, and I will continue to be filled with the Holy, with him, uh, with the Holy Spirit, so others can receive him too. You see, at the end of this series next week, we're going to move on to a series three weeks talking about work. And the question isn't going to be how many people got baptized with the Holy Spirit. That's a cool thing. The question will be how many of us will be living in the power of the Holy Spirit more and more. Ha, 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 I love that. More and more and more every moment of every day. Because at the end of the day, what the world out there needs is not just people who are baptized in the Holy Spirit. They need the Holy Spirit. What people need, they need Jesus. Because people are believing lies and their lives are being destroyed because they believe what somebody told them. And it might be their parents, unfortunately. I hope not. It might be a boss. It might be a school teacher. It might be the person looking back at them in the mirror. And until we believe that the God of the universe is real and that he has a son whose name is Jesus who came to die and rise again that we might have life and that he sent the spirit to live in us, to empower us, our lives will never be what they can be. So the simple prayer that I've been praying every day is God fill us up. God, let the ones who don't know you come to know you. Let the ones who know you be filled to overflowing so that we can influence more and more and more people. Next week, when Pastor Alfredo comes, you're gonna notice a difference in man. The man is just different in a good kind of way. You're, you're gonna experience that just by, when you shake his hand, you're gonna notice a difference. That difference is the power of the Holy Spirit. He's been put in jail many times because of his trust in Jesus Christ. He has seen God do the miracle of raising his wife from the dead. How do you think that guy could ever forget that God is alive and powerful? 
And yet, he's the, he's the most humble man I've ever met. If you ever say anything good about him, he almost always just says, you know, just glory to God. And it is glory to God. So what about you? What about you? What we're going to do today, same thing we did last week. I'm going to ask you right now, if you would, if you're able, would you please stand? And as you stand, uh, after you stand, close your eyes. And I'm going to ask those of you who came into this place today, and Jesus Christ was not the owner of your lives. I know that's not a common word. We usually say Lord or Savior, and he's both. But owner sort of wraps it up. Owner means he owns us. He owns our lives, and that's what a Lord is. Somebody who's our master, he owns us. And he owns not only this life, but our next life, so that we can be with him forever. If you've never trusted him as your Savior and Lord, and today you want to, no pressure, but if you want to, would you please raise your hand right now and say for the very first time, I want Jesus Christ to be Lord of my life. If there's anybody in the room who needs that, would you just raise your hand? Okay, please put your hand down. Now, there's another group of people in the room. That's the people who know Jesus Christ as your owner. You trusted him maybe when you were a little child, maybe last week, maybe somewhere in between there. And right now, you know that there's more of the Holy Spirit than you've experienced to this point in your life. And you want to receive that more. And so if you want more in your life of the Holy Spirit, would you please raise your hand right now? Okay, would you please put down your hand? Now, I want you to open your eyes and look up here. Those of you who raised your hand and said, I want Jesus Christ to be my owner, I want you to make sure that you do something for me. Oh, I don't have a connection card. Somebody have one? Thank you. I want you to put your name and your address on the front of your connection card and on the back where it says, I committed my life to Jesus today. I want you to check mark that so I can follow up with you. This is something that we can help you to grow in your walk with Jesus Christ, and I wanna do that. So please, if you just for the very first time ask Jesus Christ to come into your life as Savior and Lord, put I committed my life to Jesus today. For the rest of you, and put it in the offering when you leave the room this morning. For the rest of you who raised your hand about wanting more of the Holy Spirit, you can do one of two things this morning. When we're singing this closing song, you can just stay right where you are and you can just raise your hands and say, God, fill me up. And you can just pray for the Holy Spirit to fill you. Because I want you to understand something. It isn't whether, you know, Pastor Jane or Mike or me or somebody prays for you. Yes, that is what happens sometimes. Lay hands on and pray and you receive the Holy Spirit. At the same time, I want people to understand there's no special people in here who only through us can you receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes through each other when we pray for each other. So you can either stay there or you can come forward. And I encourage you to do that. Come forward and receive prayer as the closing song is being sung. Now, we're going to sing together. Pastor Brad's going to tell us when the song is ended. Those of you who don't need prayer or don't want prayer uh, at the end of the song, then you can just walk out. As you're walking out, please put your connection cards into the offering and put your offering into the offering as you leave today. So we're going to say God's blessing for you. And then we're going to start singing. And those of you who want to come forward for prayer may. And those of you who want to stay in, in your seats and pray may. And, and all of us are going to sing praise to God. So let's go out into the world in peace. Let's love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. 
Let's render to no one evil for evil, but always turn back evil with good. And now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all, today and to the life eternal. Amen.